All right. Hey, Fritzbergen, bloodandfaith.com. It's uh, almost uh, the end of February 2023, and I wanted to continue talking about one of the most important subjects that the evangelical church has absolutely neglected. That's the subject of the Jews. And um, I've argued recently in podcasts and in writing at bloodandfaith.com that the evangelical church has basically made a, a, a compact with the synagogue of Satan. Imagine this, a compact between the synagogue of Satan and the evangelical Christian church. And in this compact, the, the church goes out there and it proclaims to the world, and especially its own members, especially the Christian church, that the Jews of 2023 or the Jews of the 20th century are, in fact, God's chosen race, God's chosen people. And in, ter- in return for that, uh, the Jews leave them alone. And uh, the, the church can pose uh, and preen in its self-righteous morality and declare to everybody, well, see, look at me, I'm not... Uh, Racist. I'm not anti-Semitic, and uh, we would never have done what uh, Adolf Hitler is alleged to have done in, in Nazi Germany in in uh, 19 in, in the early 1940s, somewhere somewhere over there in Europe. And and the Jews love it because now they've got an ally. They've got potentially one of the largest voting blocks in the United States of America. And in this compact, uh, Christians agreed never to criticize the Jews. They agreed to say everything that Jews do is is good and righteous and whole because they're God's chosen people. Um, they agree to um, enshrine and hallow the Church of the Holocaust and validate that in society. They agree to give the state of Israel an ethno-nationalistic state only for Jews, only for Jews, uh, to give them anything they want. So if the Jews want to build a wall with American money, hey, the Christian church will support it. If the Jews want to do anything, in Israel or in the United States, the evangelical church will do it. And what do they get in return? They can do some more imposing. Oh, I'm not anti-Semitic. It's really bizarre in a twisted relationship, especially when you read the Holy Scriptures. And I am not going to go into those Holy Scriptures today. Um, I've spent a lot of time in the last two years going over them. But it's it's uh, when evangelical pastors contradict Jesus Christ. It's, we're really in an amazing position. We're in an amazing position when the evangelical pastors will go out of the way to contradict Jesus Christ and deny and to deny the words of Jesus Christ. Um, it puts us in a tough position as a church uh, vis-a-vis God Almighty, vis-a-vis Jesus Christ. And we keep hoping that God will save our country from this mess and, and the church has essentially done what James 4.4 has told us not to do, which is to uh, be friends with the world. And there's no more worldly and demonic influence than Judaism uh, at all, bar none, bar none. Um, Forget the communists, the Talmud, and the people behind the Talmud. If the Holy Scripture said, you know what, here's a whole book about communism and why you should reject it, I think you would probably hear about it. I think you would probably be ringing from the rafters uh, of the churches and the pulpits would be all over it. If there was a book or a chapter in the Bible against critical race theory, I think the pastors would preach about it. Uh, if if there was a, a, a passages against uh, wokeness and diversity, equity, inclusion, and um, open borders, I think the church would talk about it, although there is passages in the Bible that talk about uh, open borders and, and how it is anti-God, anti-Jesus Christ, anti-scriptural. I've covered that at bloodandfaith.com. 
and, 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 and Christians and pastors, they know that the devil is the bad one. The devil uses his influence in, in the bad way, in the wrong ways on the earth. And, and Christians and pastors also know that the devil doesn't work autonomously. He only works through other people, starting with Eve. He came and he deceived Eve, and then Eve did the naughty no-no. And there's nothing to suggest that hasn't changed uh, in, in 2023. When he tempted Jesus Christ, he tried to get Jesus Christ to join his side. And I've, I've noted before many times that the that which Jesus Christ refused from Satan, the Jews picked up. It's very simple. It's wrapped up in one scripture. You can, you, you, you're either going to serve God or mammon, but you cannot serve both. And Jesus Christ said, I'm not going to serve mammon. I'm going to serve my father, whether you kill me or whether I'm poor. I don't care. I'm not going to do it. Abraham made the same choice. He went before Melchizedek, and he went before the king of Sodom. And it's like, look, you know, what do you want? Abraham said, listen, you're not going to give me one sneaker. You're not going to give me one used sock. I will not take one thing from you, lest you say, I've made Abraham rich. And when Jesus Christ was offered the wealth and the power and the riches of the world, he turned it down. And I've opined, that it's my opinion, that uh, the Talmud people picked it up. So we'll take that bet. And you say, well, you want scriptural proof of that. Well, how about Revelation 3.9, Revelation 2.9, the synagogue of Satan, the Jews as the synagogue of Satan, his um, hands and feet on the earth. But what I really wanted to talk to you today was about the book of Esther. Now, it's funny. You can read the Bible and over and over and over again, and, and, and then some way, somewhere in your life, 10, 20, 30 years later, 40 years later, you're just like, oh my God, I never saw that before. I never saw that before. And to me, the book of Esther certainly is one of those cases. I always looked at the book of Esther and said, oh, isn't this neat? The Jews are protecting themselves. Uh, thinking that they were, in fact, God's chosen people, as I'd been taught my whole life, until I read the scriptures for myself. And now when I read it, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this is really horrible. And if you want an insight into the heart of, of the Jewish identity, man, you got to read the book of Esther. You got to read the book of Esther. You had an exiled people; they were exiled in, in Persia at this time. And uh, you've got Esther, who was a beautiful woman, very beautiful woman. You've got her uncle named Mordecai, very Jewish name, Mordecai. Go look that one up. And uh, Mordecai said, "Hey, you know, um, I've got an asset here. This asset is called Esther." She's a beautiful woman. I am going to see if I can't marry her off to the king of the Persians. It's very interesting. I mean, it, it, in this whole book, there's, there, there's zero mention of God. There's no mention of the patriarchs. There's no mention of Moses. There's no mention of the law. There's no mention of anything referring to, to um, what Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and David and Moses believed in none. Zero. Zero is an agnostic, atheistic book. And I never understood that. I never saw that before. And when Mordecai is going to marry off his blood relative, Esther, he's like, look, we can, you know, we can have some influence and power here. There was no appeal to, you know what, the Bible says, you know, you can't be intermarrying with these other races. The Bible does say that. 
Bible says it's very clear in, 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 the, in, the, in the tradition of the, the patriarchs. You marry into your own family. You marry into your own race. You marry into your own kith and kin. You don't marry the, these foreigners. And all throughout the, the book of uh, um, you know, the historical books of ancient, ancient Israel, they were warned don't mix with other peoples, don't take other men as daughters for your wives. Or other men as 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 uh, husbands for your daughters, or other women as as wives for your sons. Don't do that. So there was no reference to this with Esther and Mordecai. He's just like, look, we can we can uh, make some headway here. Um, go and and try out, uh, try out for the harem of of the Persian king. And so she does, and she is chosen to be the uh, the the new queen. Now, in all of this, there is no reference whatsoever to the racial or religious identity of Esther. She sneaks in. Bear with me. This is very interesting. She does not identify herself as a Jew. She's just a beautiful woman, very beautiful woman. And she gets in. She's a Jew, a Jewess. And, um, you know, we're going to keep that hush up. Nobody needs to know about this. Nobody needs to know the fact that she's a Jew. Well, lo and behold, the Jews of that kingdom, of that Persian kingdom, who, which reigned all the way from India all the way to Ethiopia, they had been making enemies. Now, we don't know exactly why. It doesn't really share, uh, say why they're enemies, but they become enemies. They become a hated people. And there's this one guy, Haman. He says, look, th th these people are no good. We need to get rid of them. And so he uh, goes to the king. He said, we need to get rid of these people. And the king says, okay, fine, whatever. And so he uh, passes a law or an edict, and, and they're going to get rid of the, the Jews. Well, Mordecai founds out, out, out about that. And, and Mordecai goes to Esther. He says, look, you need to, it's time to play your card, man. It's time to play the card. You need to go to him and say, hey, I'm a Jew. And she's like, I guess so. And so she asked her people, her race, to fast and pray for three days. Doesn't say who they're praying to. Doesn't say who they're fasting to. Nothing whatsoever about that. No reference to God Almighty whatsoever. There's no prayer. There's no even. There's not even a prayer. There's no say. Oh God of our fathers, have mercy on us. Look down and have mercy on us. None of this. Nothing. Atheists fast. They go look, go look fasting up on the internet. All kinds of people fast. Native Americans fast. Hindus fast. Buddhists. Everybody fast. That doesn't mean you're serving the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so she, she goes and she makes petition to the king. And when it's convenient for her, she reveals her identity. When she's, yeah, you got it. You understand what I'm saying. The victim. Now she's the victim. She's the queen of the Persians. And now she's a victim. And she goes to the king and she says, uh, it's the evil Haman that did this. It's the evil Haman that passed this law or this regulation or this edict or something. We don't really know, uh, but it's in the book of Esther, it's in there. And we do know from the story that nobody killed any Jews. We know that for a fact. Otherwise, it would have said, and, you know, a million Jews were slaughtered, or six million Jews were slaughtered, or, you know, 42 Jews were slaughtered. But from the book of Esther, not one Jew was touched, not a single one. Anyway, uh, Esther works her wiles. And um, turns out that uh, they get rid of Haman, they hang Haman, 
And then the Jews go after all their enemies all over the kingdom. And they start killing their enemies, slaughtering their enemies, physically killing their enemies. Now the rest of the Jews who were in the king's province, provinces assembled to defend their lives and rid themselves of their enemies and kill 75,000 of those who hated them. This was done on the 13th month of the day of Adar. On the 14th day they rested and made it a day of feasting and rejoicing. So it goes on and talks about this. They killed 75,000 of their enemies, and there's no, nothing in the book of Esther that says that anybody laid a finger on any one of the Jews. So a uh, 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 preemptive slaughter of their enemies. This is the Holy Scriptures. This is in the Bible. I always wondered why, you know, why. <laughs> this is an interesting story. This is the Holy Scriptures. Anonymously, they take positions of power, and when it's convenient, they claim the victim status, and they proactively go out and slaughter those that they find it to be inconvenient to have around. Slaughter them. Nobody slaughtered them. Nobody killed them. And all the bad things that happened to the wayward sons of Israel was from God's hand. It was nobody else's. It was from God's hand. God sent them into exile. God sent them into Babylon. God sent them into wherever they went. So now they're over there, and there's no appeal to God, no appeal to the law of Moses, no appeal to God's mercy or grace or judgment. It's an appeal to their own race. It's an identity based on their own race, outside of God, nothing to do with God. And when it's convenient, they hide. Esther hid. The king doesn't even know I'm Jewish. And she said, okay, it's time to play the card. Go out there and, and tell them who you are, and uh, uh, you'll get a sympathetic ear. And she did, and, and, and she did. She played, played the victim card. Mind you, nobody had killed any Jews at this point. Nobody. And then they turn around and they slaughter 75,000 people because they found it inconvenient for them to exist. Now, so great was this wonderful thing that they did that they started inventing new Jewish traditions around this. The Purim, the celebration of Purim, the slaughter of their enemies. Mordecai engineered this. And when you look at the names of Jews, Mordecai certainly is a, a famous one. They turn around and they slaughter proactively their Jews. Well, all of a sudden this makes a whole lot more sense when you look at 20th century history. You look at the slaughter of Christians all over Europe. The slaughter of Christians in the Holodomor, Armenian genocide, Russian Christians in, well, in Russia. And the fact that the Soviet secret services were largely run by Jews. Massive slaughter, massive slaughter. I was like, oh, wow. I wish I would have read the, the Bible earlier. Wish, wish I would have read Esther earlier. The book of Esther is, is the perfect example of the heart of the Jew. It's holy scriptures, I would remind you, evangelicals. I would remind you, church. Esther is the holy scriptures. It's in there for a reason. It's in there for a purpose. And it starts making sense once you read it that way. It's like, oh my God. You're right. There's absolutely no reference whatsoever to God in the book of Esther. It's all written from the perspective of the Jews. It's Holy Scripture. It's divinely inspired. It's inspired by God Almighty. 
said, here, here are these people. This is, this is what these people have become. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's in the Bible for a reason. Here's a people that has no identity whatsoever linked to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or Moses, or David. None. Zero. No appeal to prayer to God. No appeal for His mercy. It's simply about them. And they create a new institution, a new festival, a new religious identity around the slaughter of their enemies, the physical slaughter of their enemies, when nobody had even come after them yet. Nobody, nobody touched a hair on, on the head of a Jew at that point. Oh, there's a regulation out there that said it, it, it was coming or could come. It was going to come. Esther talks about that. I'll let you dig into the details of that. Mordecai recorded these events, and he sent letters to all the Jews who were in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, near and far, obliging them to celebrate the 14th day of the month of Adar, and the 15th day of the same month annually, because on these days the Jews rid themselves of their enemies. All right. Thus the Jews undertook to do what they started to do, what Mordecai had written him. For Haman, the son of Hamadatha the Agagite, the adversary of all the Jews, had schemed against the Jews to destroy them, and had cast Pir, that is the lot, to disturb and destroy them. But when it came to the king's attention, he commanded the letter that this wicked scheme, which he had devised against the Jews, should return on his own head, and he and his son should be hanged from the gallows. Therefore they called these days Purim, after the name Pure. Nothing to do with the laws of Moses. Nothing to do with the festivals that Moses set up. Nothing to do with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's a festival of slaughtering in blood their enemies. That's the Jewish identity. The Jews established and made it a custom for themselves and for their descendants and all those who allied themselves with them. All right? Had nothing to do with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All right? When you start layering the identity of the Jews, and I've, I've talked about what Jesus Christ said of them, talked about how the Gospels speak of them, talked about how the book of Acts speaks of them, and how uh, the, 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 the TTPs of the Jews, the techniques, the tactics, techniques, and uh, procedures of the Jews. And then you get the big picture right here in Esther. A, a, a people that utterly had abandoned God creates an identity based on themselves and the slaughter, the physical slaughter of their enemies. And all of a sudden, the Haldemar makes sense. All of a sudden, the mass starvation under and the gulags under Lenin and Stalin start making sense. Church needs to wake up. Now, the only people that are going to be on the right side of the Jews are the Judeo-Christians, not Christians, not real Christians, the Judeo-Christians, those who have abandoned and forsaken the teachings of Jesus Christ with regard to those who call themselves Jews, who've renounced it or are ashamed of it. I spent a lot of time talking about this at bloodandfaith.com, Jesus 2.0. We're going to reinvent Jesus to make him inoffensive to the world, inoffensive to those who call themselves Jews. And Esther, in a way, is the capstone. It's like, here, here you go, here you go. Here's the harlot, man. This is the harlot right here. Hoard herself out to, to, to go with the king of the Persians. All right, and then go back and read the whore of Babylon in, in the Revelation. Hoard herself out. Nothing, couldn't care less about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No appeal to him whatsoever. But power, 
pretending to, to, to be hidden until it's useful to be known. And I won't even go into the... It's funny how if you're white, everybody says, oh, you, yeah, you're white. So if you've got CEOs of corporations, well, there you go. It's all the CEOs of the corporations. But, but there's, no, there's no category for the Jew. There's only a category for a Jew when they, when they find it convenient to be the victim. Very interesting. No greater example this can be found in the quote-unquote anti-defamation league. They're really a defamation league. They go out there and claim they're professional victims. All the way back to Esther. All the way back to Esther. Nobody touched the hair on the head of a Jew. They went out and killed 75,000 people because they thought, well, they considered them their enemies. Something was written somewhere that said you can go after the Jews. Well, let me tell you something, Christian. I'm telling you, y'all think you're friends with the Jews. They know you're not because they've read the Holy Scriptures. They've read what Jesus Christ said. They've read what Paul said. They've read what Luke said in the book of Acts. They've read this stuff. They know the truth. They understand the enmity and the hatred goes all the way back to Genesis 3.15 in a way that the modern Judeo-Christian refuses to recognize. Pay attention to this. We're going to hear this again. FritzBergenBloodAndFaith.com